Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Hey, stay standing for one minute, will you? I am so grateful to be back after too many years. And coming back, God has really put a word on my heart. And honestly, I just have one goal for this message. And that goal is that you would leave here with a prayer on your lips. And for some of you, it may be a brand new prayer you have never, ever prayed before. For others of you, it may be a prayer that you haven't prayed in a while. And here's the simple prayer. God, I need a divine encounter with you. I need something new, something divine from you. I'm incredibly grateful for the familiar in my Christianity. I can read my Bible, I can pray, I can come to church on a Sunday morning. But there are times when the familiar is just not enough. And because of the situations of life and the circumstances of life, we have this prayer, God, I need a divine encounter with you. And here's what you need to know, when you pray that prayer, you are praying directly in line with God's will for you because he wants nothing more than to give you that divine encounter. Let me pray as we open up our hearts, as we open up our minds, that wherever we're at, whatever we're going through, during these next few minutes as we open his word, the Holy Spirit will speak to you very distinctly, very uniquely for wherever you're at, a word from heaven that will generate that prayer, God, I know you want a divine encounter with me and I want one with you. Let's pray. Lord, you were here before we got here. You welcomed us into this place. And so we come before you now with open hearts, open minds. Speak to us, uniquely and distinctly for each of us. Show us your heart, God. We want a divine encounter with you. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I said, when you have that prayer, God, I want a divine encounter, you are actually truly praying in line with God's will. The Bible teaches this from Genesis through Revelation. His desire is to have a divine encounter with you. He created us for that purpose, to be in this intimate relationship with us. Many of us know the story how Adam and Eve rejected that. And from that moment on, the Bible is simply a story of God figuring out how can I get close to my people? What can I do that will draw me into an encounter with them? And God first gets this idea, I'll have a nation, and they will be my people, and through that I'll reach the world. So he calls Moses to lead that nation, and he gives Moses a very specific command. Here's what I want you to do. On the outside of where everybody is dwelling, build what's called the tent of meeting. And the people can come out, and they can meet with me, and I can meet with them, because I want to have an encounter with them. And Moses does that, and he builds the tent of meeting, and God encounters his people as they come out to him outside of where they live. But for God, it's not enough. He wants more. He wants to be closer. So he comes up with a better idea, and he goes to King David hundreds of years later, and he says, listen, build the temple, but not on the outside. Build it right in the middle of where they live, right in the heart of their life. 
And David's son Solomon builds a temple right in the middle of where they live. Why? Because God wants to dwell with his people. He wants an encounter with his people. But God is still not satisfied. And he comes up with the craziest idea of all. I'll join them. I'll take on flesh and become like them. Surely then they will know that I want to have an encounter with them. And the Son of God takes on flesh, takes the name Jesus. And when you study what Jesus did as he walked this earth, you discover he spent all of his time touching people, holding them. Didn't matter if they were lepers or children. He just couldn't get close enough to people because he reflects the heart of a father God who says, I want an encounter with you. When you are praying, God, I want a divine encounter with you. I'm grateful for the familiar in my life. I'm grateful that I can read my Bible and pray and go to church. But sometimes it's just not enough. I need something new, something fresh. When you pray that, you are praying God's heart because for God, even Jesus wasn't enough and he gets another idea. Jesus dies and he resurrects and he tells his followers, it is for your good that I leave you. Because God wants to be so close to you, wants to have an encounter of such intimacy with you, that he actually is going to send the Spirit of God and dwell in you. So when you say, God, I need a divine encounter, you are praying right in line with God's heart for you. And we're going to look at a story from the Old Testament that gives us an illustration. What does an encounter with God look like? So that when we pray this prayer, there's a faith and an understanding behind it. Now, i got to warn you straight up. This is a strange story. But when you have an encounter with God, sometimes it's not normal anymore. It's new and it's fresh. In your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was a spokesperson in his society. He was a prophet, but he was more than that. He was kind of like the Shakespeare of his time. So he hung out with the upper echelons of society. He would have known the rulers. He would have known the king. The king during the time of Isaiah was a man by the name of Uzziah who followed God until the end of his reign. And at the end of his reign, Uzziah went off the rails. He chose no longer to follow God. We're not quite sure what Isaiah did with that, but when Uzziah died, it kind of messed Isaiah up. What happened? How could this have happened? What's going to happen to us as a nation? We don't have a king anymore. And for Isaiah, there is confusion and fear, a mystery of the season that they're in, kind of this, I don't know what's going on. You ever had that kind of a season in your life when there are doubts? or confusion, or real fear, or an emptiness. And Isaiah knows what has been familiar to him in his walk with God no longer suffices. He needs a divine encounter. So he goes into the temple with the prayer that I am hoping we will walk out of here with. God, I need a divine encounter. And here's what happens. Verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 6. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. 
and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Picture this scene. Isaiah walks in and he sees these angelic beings and they are crying out in worship. Glory, glory, holy, holy. They were created for the purpose of looking at God and just worshiping him. And every time they look at God, they just can't help express that kind of beauty and that majesty and that glory that's there. I love to scuba dive. First time I dove the Great Barrier Reef, I remember just being overwhelmed at the beauty and I go, God, this is so amazing. Why would you put all this underwater where very few people can see it? It was just magnificent. But you know when you go back and you dive the same place a second or third time? It's still cool. But it loses some of its luster. You've been there before. You've seen it before. That is never the case with God. Every time you have this prayer, I need a divine encounter with you, he will show you a new dimension, a new side of him. Because you may be here and you're going, Joel, my life is good. The circumstances are pretty good. I'm in a good place. Do not let that stop you from offering this prayer up because there is another side of God, another dimension of his majesty and his power that he wants to show you. And the moment you go, God, I want a divine encounter, he will reveal that to you. And like the angelic beings, you go, wow, I never knew there was this side of God. I saw a whole new dimension of who he is, but it doesn't necessarily start there. Because Isaiah walks into the temple and he walks into an earthquake. There is shaking going on. It's disruptive. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake, but you are completely out of control when you're in an earthquake. I live in Southern California, and there are numerous earthquakes. The first time I experienced an earthquake, I couldn't believe it. I was like, there was nothing I could do. I used to live in the Midwest of America where there are tornadoes. But when there's a tornado, a siren goes off like five minutes before it hits. You go into your basement. The tornado goes over. You come back out. There may be some damage, but you're in control. When you sit in your living room and you have an earthquake, you are completely out of control. There is nothing you can do. Everything around you is shaking. This is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to shake you. He wants you to give up control. Because sometimes we use the familiar to try to control our relationship with God. And God says, you say that prayer, here's how it'll start. I will shake you. And you'll get to a place where you have no control. This is what he's doing with Isaiah. It's like he's saying, Isaiah, wake up. Wake up to my kingdom. My reality, my power, I am still on the throne. I am still in control. Wake up, Isaiah. To some of us, he wants to shake us. When we say that prayer, he's going, wake up. I am still on the throne. I am still in control. I have not abandoned anything. Wake up. God did this throughout the scriptures. There was a man named Moses 
who tried to follow God out of his own effort and it failed. And he finds himself on the far side of the desert. He's still following God, but this is my lot in life. Because of my past failure, this is my lot in life. And God has an encounter with him. It's a burning bush that won't burn up. And it's like God is shaking him. Moses, wake up. Your past failure does not determine your future destiny. And there are some of you, and God wants to shake you and say, listen, don't see your past failure defining your future destiny. I don't see it that way. Wake up and know I have something new and something fresh for you. But it begins with us saying, God, I need a divine encounter. I'm grateful for the familiar, but I need something new. This happened to Paul. He was very religious. He was a devout follower of God. And he's riding on his horse to a city. And his divine encounter is so much shaking that he falls off of his horse. And God is shaking Paul. And he's saying, do not think that your religious performance will earn you any intimacy with me. I want to show you Jesus. Wake up. And some of you are kind of trapped in that religious performance. And when you say, God, I need a divine encounter because your religious performance, however good it is, is not working. And he's going, oh, I want to shake you out of that. And no, I have something new. So this begins with this amazing shaking going on. And when you have the prayer, the prayer is saying, God, I'm willing to let go of my life. I'm willing to give you control over every area. And Isaiah walks in and he sees these angelic beings and it's a strange experience. And I'm not saying you will see angelic beings flying around, but God will meet you in such a unique and distinct way. Here's what will happen. You will try to explain the encounter to a friend and you'll go, they hear me, but they don't get it. They just don't get it. Because it's so personal, so right, so intimate for you. Isaiah walks in, and the first thing is the shaking, but he's all right. He's there. Now, picture what takes place. He's there, and he's in the temple, and the first thing he discovers before a holy God is his brokenness. And he sees an angelic being grab and grab a coal and begin to fly at Isaiah. And for Isaiah, in his mind, he is thinking, I'm done. I'm a goner. Because fire in the Old Testament always refers to the judgment of God. So when Isaiah comes into the temple, he sees his brokenness. He sees how he does not measure up. And then he sees this angelic being pick up this fire, what he thinks is the judgment of God, and come flying at him. And you can imagine Isaiah's backing up in the temple. And he's going, I'm a goner. It's over. Isaiah is thinking the judgment of God. God is thinking grace and restoration. And when we have this prayer, I want a divine encounter, what happens is at the beginning of it, we are so aware of our brokenness, and we're expecting the judgment of God. He's just going to slap me and say, Joel, go back and do a better job now. And what God wants to do is come into our lives with this grace and with this restoration. Isaiah, in a sense, is having a near-death experience. What God wants to show Isaiah is Jesus actually had a real full death experience. The picture here of a temple that's shaking and fire and smoke, it's a picture of the temple hundreds of years later. It's the temple when Christ was on the cross. 
And there was this fire and there was smoke and there was an earthquake and the veil was ripped in two. And it's a picture of what God has done through Christ so that he is thinking grace and restoration, not judgment. Isaiah may have had a near-death experience. Jesus had a full-death experience. I'm walking along the street in Los Angeles on the sidewalk and a city bus comes flying past me. I got hit by the shadow of the bus. Do you know there's a big difference between being hit by the shadow of the bus and being hit by the bus? I got hit by the shadow of the bus. Jesus got hit by the bus. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And when you have this prayer, God, I want a divine encounter. God will shake you. And in the first moment, you may have a great awareness of your brokenness. I don't have enough faith. I'm full of doubt. My behavior doesn't always honor God. And you may be expecting the judgment of God to come. But what God wants to do is to touch you with grace, to touch you with restoration. Because what will take place in our Christian faith is if we don't have this prayer, I want a divine encounter, we will begin to rely on ourselves to build our relationship with God. And here's what it looks like. Out of your own volition, you will make a promise to God. God, I won't get angry at my kids like that anymore. God, I'll stop having those thoughts. God, I'll start to tell the truth. God, my behavior will change. And you will make this kind of a promise. God, yes, I will believe you. But because you're making it out of your own volition, you'll fail. And in that failure will be guilt and shame. And guilt and shame always leads to hiddenness. And in the hiddenness where nobody knows, you'll make another promise to God. No, 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 this time, this time I won't get angry. This time I won't say those words. This time I won't go there. But it's made out of your own volition. And in that promise, there will be failure. And in that failure, there will be shame and guilt. And there will be more hiddenness. And you find yourself in this cycle of despair where life is just one unending promise to God that never seems to be completed because you have not said the prayer, God, I need a divine encounter. You're trying to do it out of your own effort in what is familiar. And God wants to interrupt that cycle, but not with judgment, with grace and with restoration. And in this picture, we have this picture of what Jesus did for us, so that can be there, but it begins with an awareness of what your brokenness is, so that you understand who your Redeemer is. I was speaking at a youth camp years ago, and it was three nights. And so during those three nights, I would give an altar call every night, and the kids would come forward, and there was hundreds of kids in the auditorium, and they would come forward, and they were here at the altar, and I saw about halfway down, there was this 15-year-old boy with his arms crossed with a stern look on his face. So I went back to him during the altar call, and I said, do you want to come forward to the altar and give your life to Christ? And he looked at me, and he goes, I don't have to go forward to the altar. I know what the Bible says. I can give my life to Christ right here in this chair. And I said, you're wrong. I'm sorry, I don't know where you heard that, but you gotta come forward. If you're gonna give your life to Christ, you gotta come forward. Yeah. And we looked at each other and the conversation kinda ended awkwardly. 
Second night, same scenario. Kids are coming forward to give their life to Christ. He's back there and he's going like this. So I walked back to him. I said, are you sure you don't want to come forward and give your life to Christ? I don't need to come forward to the altar. I know what the Bible says. If I want to give my life to Christ, I can do it right here in my chair. I said, no, you actually can't. You actually have to go forward. And the conversation ended really awkwardly. Third and final night, I give an altar call. Kids are coming forward. I look back, but he's not sitting with his hands crossed with this stern look on his face anymore. Now his face is in his hands, and I can tell he's crying. So I go back to him, but before I can open my mouth, he goes, oh, Pastor Joel, I'm ready. I'll go forward to give my life to Christ. And I said, no, no, you can do it right here in your chair. (laughs) He needed to discover his brokenness so he could discover his Redeemer. Jesus is not just a life coach for us. Christianity is not just a way of having a better life. So when Isaiah comes into this, he discovers at first his brokenness. And that actually is an act of God's grace. When you say, God, I want a divine encounter, and all of a sudden you become aware of that brokenness, that is God's grace at work. Because nobody came to Jesus in their strength. They all came to Jesus in their brokenness. And God's response to your brokenness is not condemnation. God's response to your brokenness is Jesus. And he redeems us through his love, not through our religion. Picture this story. Here we are at Central, or at any one of the campuses, and there's a wedding going on. It's a Saturday afternoon. There's a young man and a young woman, and they're getting married, and we're there, and we're excited, and everybody's celebrating this great moment. Afterwards, there's a party and there's dancing and it's a lot of fun. And then we all go home and they go down to the hotel and they've kind of rented the bridal suite and they're, they're both a little nervous and they go up to the bridal suite. And then surprisingly, the bride tells the groom, listen, just hang on a second. I got to go down to the lobby of the hotel and get something. The group thinks it's a little weird, but he says, okay. The bride goes down to the lobby and she walks out to the lobby, but rather than going to the store, she sees in the corner of I a dark place. And it's the lobby bar. She walks into the lobby bar while the groom is upstairs in the bridal seat waiting for her. She sits on a stool at the bar next to a man. And unimaginably, it's unthinkable, within a few minutes, this bride with the groom upstairs in the bridal suite is seen walking out of the doors of the hotel arm in arm with that man into the dark of the night. And if that groom is our friend, if he's a family member, and he rings us up and he explains what has happened, every one of us would say the same thing. I'm so sorry, but thank God she's gone. Good riddance. Get an annulment. There's definitely somebody better than that. But Jesus doesn't do that. He puts on his jacket. He walks out of the bridal suite. Takes the elevator down to the lobby. And he walks out into the dark of the night. To get you back. This is why he wants to have a divine encounter with you. He doesn't care about your religion. He wants to show you his heart. 
This is what Isaiah discovered as he came in. He simply discovered the heart of God and God's desire to bring grace and restoration. Do you notice in the story, Isaiah steps in, he goes, my lips are unclean. We don't actually know what Isaiah's sin was. Did he lie? Maybe he gossiped, talked about people the way he shouldn't. Maybe when the king was going off the rails, Isaiah just stayed quiet because it was easier not to make the friendship awkward. But whatever it was, he knew in his life he had a brokenness here. And you see in the story, God picks up the fire and the angel of the Lord comes and touches Isaiah right where he needs to be healed. And it's a picture of your divine encounter. You may say, Joel, it's not my lips. It's my mind. I'm just so fearful. I go to bed at night and I have these fearful thoughts. And I wake up and they're still there. And I am consumed by fear. But if you will have this prayer, God, I need a divine encounter. Because the familiar, it's just not enough right now. You got to know that just like Isaiah, the Lord will reach down and he will touch your mind and he will give you peace that passes all understanding and all of that anxiety will disappear because you are praying, God, I want a divine encounter. He wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. He doesn't want to condemn and judge you. You may say, Joel, it's not my mind. It's actually my heart. I've been hurt by people and I'm angry. I'm really angry. And I know the Bible says I'm supposed to forgive people, but I can't. You have no idea the pain in my heart, and I'm just angry. But if you will have the courage to have a prayer that says, Lord, I need a divine encounter. Because my heart is just broken in pain. you got to know God will not meet you and just say, do better. He will grab a coal of his grace. And he will come to you and he'll touch your heart. And you will discover your heart beginning to melt and a supernatural love and grace in there because it's this divine encounter that's coming on. You may say, Joel, it's not my mind. It's not my heart. It's actually my soul. I know I'm a Christian. But every time I look into the mirror and I look at myself, my first thought is shame. And Christians tell me what the Bible says, but you know what? It's not enough. And Isaiah may have had a brokenness in his lips, but I have a brokenness in my soul and my first thought is shame. But if you have this honest prayer, God, I need a divine encounter for you, from you. He will reach down and he will touch your soul. And that shame will melt away in a way you could never conjure up on your own. And you will discover how beautiful you are and the identity and how he sees you. This is the divine encounter Isaiah had. And it's the divine encounter that's available for us. When we say, I want a divine encounter, it's actually about our personal transformation. It's about his goodness and his grace reaching into us. Now you would think that's a great story. I got hardships, I've got doubts, I've got fears like Isaiah. Isaiah comes into the temple. God says, give up control. Here I am to restore you. And you go, that's a great story. Isaiah could go on about his life. But the story doesn't end there. God adds a wrinkle, a very important wrinkle to the story. Because then he asks, who's going to go for us? 
Not simply because he's looking for an army, but he knows Isaiah will have the greatest, deepest divine encounter when he's not just staying in the temple, but when he's actually going out amongst his life. This is actually for Isaiah's good. It's for our good when he says, wait a minute, I'm touching you, but can I send you? And Isaiah in four seconds go from woe am I to here am I. All of a sudden he goes, I'm in. He has discovered the heart of God. So he goes, I'm in. Whatever it is, I'm in. He doesn't know what the task is because the task doesn't matter. It's about his identity with the Lord. Whatever it is, I'm in because I'm going to have an encounter with you as I go. Imagine walking through a forest and you come to a fork in the road. And you look to the right. The path is really wide. Really easy. There's a lot of people on this path. And you look to the left. And it looks like it's a really hard path. There's not that many people on that path. Jesus is on that path. But it looks really hard. And you come to the fork in the road. Go right, go left. And you're smart enough as a Christian to go, I can't go right. That, you know, that's not good. But wow, left, it just looks so hard. And you think to yourself, I wonder if there's a middle path. You know, one that's not too hard, but has some, you know, things to it. And Jesus hears you thinking, and he says to you, Joel, there is no middle path. But you look and you think to yourself, yeah, but maybe one could be built. (laughs) And we spend a significant portion of our Christian lives trying to build a middle path. We know this one is wrong, but we have bought into a lie that the narrow path is actually hard. Jesus is on that narrow path and he's waiting to have a divine encounter with you. And he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. And it's there where you discover the divine encounter. I'll show you what this means. Let's say you have somebody who has really hurt you and you're a Christian and you know you should forgive them, but that's the narrow path and it's just too hard. The pain in your heart, the damage that has been done, understandably is just really hard. You know the wide path isn't good, so you're not going to curse them, post bad stuff about them. You just say middle path. I'll just avoid them. I'll just avoid it. But you are removing yourself from a divine encounter. Because if you go, if I just take a step towards the Lord with a prayer, God, I need a divine encounter. And you go, okay, I'll call that person up and say, could we have a coffee? And you go over to have a coffee with him. And while you sit down to have this coffee, something changes inside of you. And you are not dictating it and you are not controlling it. But all of a sudden inside of you, there is this melting of your heart. And you're going, what is going on inside of me? And they can't even see it. But all of a sudden you begin to discover, I actually begin to care about this person. I'm actually having love for this person. And the act of forgiving them is not a hard thing. Because you're having an encounter with God. That's why God comes to Isaiah and say, will you go? Because when you go out there, you will discover me in new and different ways. All Isaiah discovered was God's heart. And that was enough. I don't know what you're going through. But you go, Joel, I'm confused. I've got fears. There's mystery. 
And if you will say the prayer, God, I want a divine encounter. You are praying directly in line with God's will. And more than anything, he simply wants to show you his heart. This year, my wife and I were married for 35 years. That's a long time to be married. And all in a row, there were like no gaps in it. We did every in a row. Very proud of myself for that. But when we were friends, before we even started dating, there was no way in my mind she would ever go for me. Because she's intelligent and she's beautiful. And there's a lot of guys who are wanted to be with her. And I got like nothing. I got nothing, right? So we're really good friends. And then one evening... We're friends for two years, and she sits down, and she says, Joel, I got to tell you something. And she said, I need to tell you what's on my heart. And she looked at me. She said, Joel, you need to know, I love you. And she began to describe ways I had affected her how I had influenced her, how I had brought her joy. She said things nobody's ever said before. And when she said, Joel, I need to tell you I love you, I was like, yes. (laughs) When I discovered her heart, it was a game changer. I knew my life trajectory. Isaiah discovered God's heart. If you are willing to have this prayer, God, I need a divine encounter. More than anything, God wants to show you his heart. Let me read to you how he sees you. From his word, this is his message to you from Song of Solomon. You have stolen my heart. With just one glance from you, you have completely stolen my heart. This moment of divine encounter would change Isaiah forever. In Isaiah 26, 9, he wrote this. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. The divine encounter didn't just become a one-off for him. Every morning, he would wake up going, God, I want a divine encounter. Something new about who you are. Something about your majesty or your beauty and your power. It would change him forever. Can I ask you a question? What encounter is waiting for you? What new part of God's heart Does he want to share with you that you've never known before? What area of brokenness is he dying to touch with his grace and his goodness to set you free, to give you joy? And for us, it just begins with a prayer. God, I want a divine encounter. And here's the goodness of God. Just the act of the prayer begins the divine encounter. Because David would write in Psalm 69, you who seek God, your heart shall live. Just seeking him, something begins to come alive. Just saying, I want a divine encounter. All of a sudden, you begin to experience God in a new and different way. You begin to see him begin to heal that brokenness. This morning, you got to know, you are on his mind. When Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. And he is waiting for you to simply say a prayer. God, I want, I need a divine encounter. I'm grateful for the familiar, but it's just not enough. And we're going to take a moment in response to his word. I, I hope tomorrow morning when you wake up and are in your routine, you will still have this prayer. But in this moment, I am convinced if you will say that prayer as we worship, 
If you will lean into this worship and it's a way of saying that prayer, even in this moment, God will begin to meet you right at your point of need. Even in this moment, you will begin to see the fear or the shame or the doubt or the anxiety begin to melt away. So across all the locations, I want you to stand up and I'm gonna pray. And after I pray, we're gonna worship the Lord. And when we worship, let our act of worship be that prayer. Like Isaiah, come before the Lord and as you worship, say, God, shake me. Shake my life. I give up control. I can't make it happen. I can't fix myself. I am tired of that cycle. I give it to you. And as you worship and your heart radiates, I want a divine encounter. You are praying right in line with his will and know he will show a whole new side to him because he loves you so much. Let me pray. Lord, we are overwhelmed that as the creator of the universe, your passion is to be with each of us. Your, your desire, your heart's desire is to meet each of us uniquely at our point of need. And right now, there are so many diverse points of need, and yet we have this confidence. You want to show us your heart. And we know it's a game changer. Thank you that you are a God who desires to show your heart to us. So hear our prayer, Lord. Each of us in our own unique way as we worship, Lord God, we are praying. We want, we need a divine encounter with you and we thank you for meeting us. We pray this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.